0: Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host for all of tonight's off-the-wall entertainment. And with me in the studio this week is a man who's giving me a thumbs up. Just to say, it's all going great so far, it's Team GB snowboarding reject,
1: Tony Kerr. <laughs> great intro, mate, great intro. <laughs> I was just, you, know, you need a bit Loved of support. Loving it so far. <laughs> you need a bit of support.
0: I did have a bit of a crisis of confidence
1: before we started tonight, and you had to you had to talk me down, talk just me through a, it. Arm around the shoulder stuff, just kind of, you know, come on, mate, you can do it.
0: You're the star, you're the star, you're what everyone I mean, comes to you listen can, to. You know,
1: don't be nervous, you know, I know you're working with a professional, but, you know, you'll be alright. I'm a bit...
0: A bit awed in your presence. <laughs> How's it going the sweet Tone? It's going well. Did you watch the snowboard cross? Did you watch, mm, it was good. Did you watch yeah. jealously as uh, people competed in the discipline that you so narrowly missed out on?
1: Yeah, a bit disappointing not to be there, to be honest. Uh, no. I mean, I've been riding snowboard cross tracks since I was you know, 24. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it goes way back. It's in your blood. It is in my blood, yeah. Well, what are you now, uh, 42? <laughs> yeah, getting on a bit. So, you know, it's been a few years. I've it's been loving it. It's been just, good them Winter Olympics. It's
0: just the most exciting You see the ski the cross as well No, today. don't tell me
1: what happened in that, because well, I've got it
0: Sky Plus, though. I'm going to watch good. it after this. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: it was much like you, it was, you know, everyone crashed. I
0: think <laughs> <laughs> much like you, it's really exciting, no.
1: really brilliant. I've really enjoyed the Winter Olympics you know, a lot, but I'm really fed up of people telling me how much they're enjoying it. Right. Particularly the curling. I think people just like love to, they're like, oh, I like curling. How zany am I? They're like, don't care. Just watch it. Don't tell the world about it. Well, I'm looking at my notes here. I've got uh, <laughs> eight minutes of material on how much I, I love curling. That would be the case. And- no, I mean, it's been fun, the curling, because it's one of the, the only disciplines, isn't it, at the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, sorry, uh, that GB put their hand up in regularly. So,
0: yeah, we've got two medals in that. Brilliant. Love it. Brilliant. Hashtag love curling. So what everyone's hashtagging. <laughs> it is what everyone's hashtagging. Hashtag love Snowball Cross as well.
1: Hashtag um, love World Cricket Show. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag love Ice Cricket. I, that could be there one day, you know, Ice 2020. Because
0: I was making, I was sort of uh, sneering at you a bit for, you know, you were like, oh, I want I to want snowboard because it's so much cooler than skiing. But having watched it this week, it is it is pretty cool. I don't I've think I said say. it's
1: cooler than skiing. I don't, you know, I'm not one of those guys that says it's cooler than skiing. But
0: I, I've always been quite sniffy about it, but I think it's just... I associate snowboarding with skateboarding, which I associate with like
1: Limp Biscuit
0: and right, Linkin okay. Park and that's stuff. A like kind that. of that's
1: the yeah, that's where you're coming, that's what you are gone wrong. Yeah. Like, skateboarding's actually really kind of cool.
0: I associate skateboarding with you when you were about 12, and yeah. I just don't want anything to do with that <laughs> anymore. So,
1: no, skateboarding's, you know, when you said you were sniffy about it you 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 saw yourself more of a skier if you did it
0: yeah i don't do either but yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i would
1: you, have, I you would. bought the ski equipment <laughs> <laughs> just wander around some Peterport in your know, salafets <laughs> yeah no snowboarding snowboarding i mean i'm I mean, gonna next time i go i'm gonna to learn to ski i think just to get you know get a handle on it cuz
0: now snowboarding's becoming so mainstream yeah exactly skiing is now the some people are like that though. some cool people are like thing. that yeah Skiing's you're one of those really people. Like, <laughs>
1: Kind of super cool and like fashionable. But yeah, and no, I don't know. I you know I'm not you know like you know me. I don't follow the crowd. No. And it doesn't
0: even have to be much of a crowd. <laughs> we should probably talk about cricket, I suppose. Um until they introduce ice cricket into the Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics not really that relevant to a cricket <laughs> no, podcast, you all. could argue. Not at all. But they should do it. We did talk about it last year. There's a snow cricket tournament in Canada.
1: Potentially it is, you know, on the cards, I guess. Eventually. I mean it's
0: definitely not at all. I mean, you'd imagine actual cricket would get in the Summer Olympics before that, and that doesn't look very likely.
1: No. No. But, well, we'll see. The thing is, if you want some cricket, I mean, I'm sure you could probably dig up, like, Saj Mahmood's tweets about the Loving Curling or something like that, you know. (laughs) There's probably some cricketers there who could kind of get involved.
0: Well, on the subject of cricket, uh, what's coming up on the World Cricket Show today? It's been an action-packed week in the cricketing world. There are two major test series going on in the Southern Hemisphere, India and in New Zealand, and Australia are in South Africa. And There's lots of talking points that have come out of both of those series, uh, so we're going to be getting stuck right into all of those in depth on tonight's show. But before we get going, uh, I feel that there's something that we ought to address, uh, and it's actually on the subject of, of that New Zealand-India series. Um, now, on last week's show, we were talking about the test match that was coming up in Wellington, uh, and you mentioned that uh, Ross Taylor was going to be unavailable for that game. Uh, And you explained his absence as being because he'd been out on a bender and had been dropped. Now, this was, of course, factually inaccurate. In reality, Ross Taylor missed the game because of the birth of his child. It was Jesse Ryder, Tane. Jesse Ryder was the one who went on a bender and got suspended. Now, listeners have not been slow in pointing out that we got this wrong. Uh, Emails and tweets have been flooding in. Uh, correcting us on that issue, many of them quite upset with us that we got something so basic so wrong. Uh, one email opened with, I like the show, but can you please be more accurate? Which is a hell of an opening line, I think. Um, so there's a firestorm brewing out there, Tony is what Sounds I'm saying. Time to put it out, Time to put it out. And as a result, I would like to read the following pre-prepared statement. On an episode of the World Cricket Show dated 14th of February 2014, the podcast co-host, Tony Kerr, stated that New Zealand batsman Ross Taylor had been dropped from the New Zealand side due to inappropriate alcohol-related behaviour. This was incorrect. In reality, Mr Taylor missed the game due to the birth of his child. As the host of the show, I, Adam Bayford, would like to unreservedly apologise to Mr Taylor and to New Zealand fans everywhere for any distress this foolish mistake may have caused. Mr Kerr is suitably embarrassed by his stupidity. I understand there is a groundswell of public opinion demanding that he be removed from his position on the podcast, but I would beg all of you to give him another chance. Yes, Mr Kerr made a mistake. Yes, it's very much in keeping with a much broader pattern of moronic and insufferable punditry. Yes, he is in general an incompetent buffoon who doesn't know what he's talking about. And yes, both Robert Downey Jr. and Matthew McConaughey have expressed an interest in replacing him on the show. But ultimately, as his boss, the buck stops with me. I could have stopped him. I could have edited the statement out in post-production. After all, I edit out the countless off-colour jokes he makes each week. I failed to do that in this instance. It slipped through the net. I realise my mistake and I take full responsibility for it.
1: That's very noble of you. I mean, who's to say that Ross Taylor's... Uh, or the, the birth of Ross Taylor's child isn't also the result of some inappropriate alcohol-related behaviour, uh, for one. Secondly, you didn't... You you're didn't, not making it better, you You're ha- really not. You didn't haul me up on it, did you? You, didn't, you were like, yeah, you nodded away. Well, that's what I'm but saying. We'll review the webcam footage, and you're like, yeah, Ross Taylor, I had yeah, my yeah. thumbs up. Yeah, yeah, I had both thumbs like, up. Yeah. It's
0: going great. It's going really well. But that's uh, why I've made that apology, Taylor I, I, I felt I needed to appease the shareholders uh,
1: because our share price has been plummeting. You know, of course, I'm sorry. I, when, I, when I said Ross Taylor, I did mean Jesse Ryder. Similar names. <laughs> Easily confused. Yeah. Easily confused. A
0: lot of the same letters.
1: Yeah, it's all there, isn't it? Kind of else. Ross Ryder, Jesse. That's all there. Yeah, as you say, <laughs> it's all there. So anyway, perhaps I did say Jesse Ryder and you edited it out and Replaced it with me just saying Ross Taylor from another episode. Just to make you sound just to make me sound stupid. (laughs) You've rumbled me. Around
0: the world. On this part of the show, we talk about things that have been happening around the world. And there's been lots happening in the southern hemisphere, the southern half of the world. There are two significant and very exciting test series that have been going on. New Zealand's series with India has just come to an end, and we're going to be talking about that later on, but Shall we start with the local derby, Tane? The local derby between South Africa and Australia. Uh, A a hotly anticipated test series between the world's number one side and a side that was brimming with confidence after a 5-0 Ashes victory. The first test of the series was in Centurion, and the second test has just got underway in Port Elizabeth. At the end of the first day of that game, South Africa are 214-5. for which is not necessarily a great day for them, but uh, certainly a lot better than what happened in Centurion where they were totally demolished by a rampant Australian side who were put into bat by Graham Smith but racked up 397 hundreds for Sean Marsh returning to the team, 148, and Steve Smith, who made exactly 100. And then they blew South Africa away in their first innings. They were all out for 206 with Mitchell Johnson, that man Mitchell Johnson, taking 7 for 68, Australia then went out in their second innings and posted 290 for four before declaring Dave Warner with 115 and Alex Doolan on debut making 89. That set South Africa an unrealistic target of 482 and they never got anywhere near it. They were all out cheaply for a second time, 200 all out. Johnson once again to the four, five for 59. Harrison Siddle taking two wickets apiece. So Australia won the game by a mammoth 281 runs. So we'll talk more about the second test on next week's show, and it's been a, it has been a more positive start for South Africa in that game, although not necessarily a great one. But, uh, but you know, there's a long, long way to go in that test match, so we'll see what happens. But certainly, talking about that first game, a strikingly similar pattern to what happened in the Ashes, really, wasn't it? I mean, Australia recovering from a bad start in their first things, what were they uh, 98 for four, recovering from that to. Uh, to post a, a, a decent first-inning score, and then they just blew the opposition away. Dave Warner went out in the third innings and bullied his way to 100 to set up a decoration, and then they blew the opposition away for a second time. And if we're talking about you know, striking similarities to the Ashes, then none more striking than Mitchell Johnson, really. An, an astonishing performance from him. 12 wickets in the match. It's Groundhog Day all over again, Tone. And uh, <laughs> unless someone can get Andy McDowell into bed pretty quickly, you would imagine that it's going to be... Tough for South Africa to turn things around.
1: Yeah, as you say, so many similarities to what's happened with us and by us, I mean England, <laughs> uh, in the last few months. We're whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, just revealing our bias. Yeah, say. Eh? no uh, one's noticed that before. No. Uh, yeah, and even you know, even this second test, which, as you say, started with a day of mild positivity for the uh, South Africans, the kind of positivity that England enjoyed on kind of numerous occasions, really, almost in every test, but then only for it to be quashed. Quelled, stamps on, mm-hmm. blew apart, uh, other things that mean the same thing. Like as you said before, unbelievable, really to to see a match unfold in that way again. You know, we 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 weren't sure, were we, whether Australia would come and do this. We, you know, we talked a lot over the winter about how bad England were, and for various reasons, the England team did fall apart. But you know, it, it would seem that they fell apart now because of some exceptional Australian performances. And, yeah, Mitchell Johnson doing it again, 12 wickets in the match. Can anyone stop him? And more than just the wickets as well. I mean, I
0: think he, he just rattled South Africa, didn't he? He had virtually all of their batsmen hopping around. Graham Smith and Hashim Amler, you know, who you'd say are two of the, the the real great batsmen of this era. They both were made to look pretty clueless against Johnson. I mean, he he smashed Amler in the grill first ball. It was astonishing. And, that, you know, he, he was... The the South African players were just taking physical blows repeatedly, much like what happened to England. And as you say, the question that we were asking was, you know, were were Australia that good in the ashes or were England that bad? For Australia to come and do this in South Africa is pretty remarkable. And yeah, I mean, as an England fan, not to keep on bringing the show back to England all the time, but if we could just bring the show back to England for a moment, as an England fan, it is very pleasing to see South Africa struggling against Australia, struggling particularly against Johnson because... As you were hinting out there, does it, does it put some of those England struggles into uh, a slightly different light? You know, we were um, tearing into Cook and Peterson and Bell and Root and we weren't alone in that. All the other leading pundits um, around the cruising world were, were tearing into those batsmen. But is it simply the case that they just found themselves up against a, an unstoppable force in
1: Mitchell Johnson? Yeah, uh, Yeah, and I think you know part of the reason we would have been so harsh... And a lot of people were very harsh about England's performances and about some of the England players. Is that we were coming off the back of three straight uh, Ashes series wins for England, uh, in which Australia rarely battled to uh, anything close to a, a decent performance, and in which Mitchell Johnson was, you know, a figure of ridicule. And it is amazing for him to have come back like this. So you know, it did take everyone by surprise. And clearly, how long he can keep it up for? No, you know, you don't know because he he, he did put in although probably not quite as good uh, a kind of run of performances earlier in his career. He still, he put in this kind of run and then, you know, it it fell away again. So it'd be interesting to see, but he's great to watch at the moment. So entertaining. Should hate the Australians, but actually, they're they're the great side to to watch at the moment.
0: Yeah, you should, as a a patriotic. Yeah, exactly. You should hate. I should hate them. Hate a group of other people. But but yeah, you, you can't help but admire and enjoy that type of cricket really can you and it is amazing this this drastic transformation from the Australian side of six months ago and it is almost exclusively down to Johnson I think the way that he has come in and just just changed the feeling about the team just given the rest of the players so much confidence if if you know that you've got a weapon like that in your side it must just make Steve Smith and Nathan Lyon and you know perhaps some of the the less experienced
1: guys. It just yeah, the makes them just,
0: feel so much more confident.
1: The way he's just coming and growing a moustache like that, you know, <laughs> it's just just unbelievable. When you look at his record in the last year, he had a dodgy game in spring of last year against India, but since then, you know, it, his his record is unbelievable. He's you know Stuart Broad is the, the leading wicket taker in in the in the last year. Uh, and Johnson's Pretty much got as many wickets as him, having bowled half as many overs. Just staggering, it's
0: staggering. Yeah, forty-nine wickets in his last six Test matches. Extraordinary stuff. And you know, not just how effective he's been, but the way that he's been doing it is unbelievable. And we just haven't seen fast bowling like this for a long time. And that's why it's so exciting. You know, it's it's Ambrose and Walsh type stuff, isn't it? Do you think it is the case that Test match batsmen of this era just aren't used to bowling of this pace and hostility? There was a a good article on The Guardian actually this week about the difference between 85-mile-an-hour bowling and 95-mile-an-hour bowling, and that is the difference between a sort of military medium seam bowler or a quickish bowler and a a genuine speed merchant fast bowler. The article is just breaking it down into the the, the number of milliseconds fewer that you get to deal with it when it's 95-mile-an-hour. It's not many, but that is enough to just kind of soar off your reaction time to the point where... It just becomes close to impossible to pick the ball up. That it just drastically reduces the number of people that are capable of dealing with with that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, at any level, when you're eight years old, you know, a little bit of pace is, however relative that might be, is frightening, uh, and just changes the game, doesn't it? I, it spreads panic in the dressing room as well, oh, doesn't it? It does, you know, absolute terror.
0: <laughs> well, at our level, it <laughs> yeah. Is, and I think the same is probably true a test match level as
1: well yeah and possibly worse as well i don't know possibly worse because you know you're sitting there in the you know on the balcony and there are 25 30, people sitting around you as well waiting baying for your blood baying waiting for you blood. to go in i don't know you and know. baying literally for your blood yeah in, in, uh in so cases. i mean ryan mclaren got hit in the head bleeding that must it's- do things to your mind uh that you don't want them to do uh it's, it's hard to say whether this seemingly extra bit of pace that that johnson's got on everyone else uh it's kind of caught this generation of batsmen off guard because i don't know obviously i wasn't watching cricket before atherton uh so you know when they talk about the the old quickies uh you know the, the australians and the west indians and what have you uh i don't know how quick they were really and i don't know what everyone else was like really uh but you know in the in kind of post atherton era you know the there have been occasional players who've really chucked it down quickly. You know, Everyone used to love watching shower bowl, but there have never been that many. So maybe there has been a couple, you know, a little bit of time, a couple of years where there wasn't someone bowling really, really quick. Uh, although Dale Stain at times has bowled pretty fast, hasn't he? So, yeah, may, yeah, maybe this is just the time that there is one. In the last two or three years, there's not
0: really been anyone bowling at that kind of pace. Dale Steyn has been, but he's been unbelievably effective as well. So that wouldn't be a sort of a a strike against this argument. But as you say, there have been guys around in recent history. Brett Lee, for example, was regularly bowling above 95 miles an hour, and he was never as effective as this. He was a very good Test match bowler, but he, he was never as effective as this. So there must be more going on than just that. I think you've got to give Johnson a lot of credit. It's not just the brute pace at which he's bowling.
1: He's bowling with a lot of control as well. And that—that that is the key thing, isn't it? I think the, the actual Johnson's action, you know, it kind of informs his career really because... Bowling the way he does and trying to bowl it as quick as he does i i, I just don 't think you can maintain that for hundred percent of the time, and it seems like at the moment it 's clicking and he 's in a perfect rhythm, and he 's able to bowl it and the way his arm comes over you know the ball is the bounce and uh the, the parts of the pitch is hitting and where it's ending up are, are catching people off off guard. Whereas you compare that to, to Brett Lee, who maybe had a bit more of a it's kind of back to front action of the, the ball. Bit more mechanical. Yeah, a bit more bit smoother. Uh you know, he was able to, to be be more accurate more often, but it was less
0: easier to yeah, it was, yeah. predict. It was what it was, was it
1: happen. was batsmen could enjoy it. And that's why Johnson has in previous you know previous years and at times has been smashed around the park and, and taken for a ride. So all credit to him. And, uh, you know, f- f- as far as he's concerned, as far as Australia concerned, long may it continue. And it is great to watch But uh, whether anyone can bowl or many people can bowl that quickly, that accurately, and with that much purpose, if you like, all the time. I don't know.
0: Well, yeah, there's no guarantee that it will go on forever. But he's never bowled as consistently as this before. You know something's changed, and you know it is largely a psychological thing, I think. But at the same time, you know people like Craig McDermott, people like Dennis Lilly have done a lot of work with him and and got that action clicking in a way that it wasn't before. It's not just the pace; it's it's everything. It's the relentlessness of his bowling that's that's so impressive. I mean, pace does have a lot to do with it, as we say. It it's much much more difficult to deal with a cricket ball that's coming at you at 95 mile an hour than one that's coming at you at 85 mile an hour and it's always been the case in Test cricket history that the real fast bowlers are very difficult to cope with you know your thompson and your lilies your any number of west indian bowlers you know most of the great fast bowlers have been fast bowlers but it's not enough on its own is it i mean there have been plenty of guys who come in you know Saj mamood could have got could bowl above 90 mile an hour but doesn't necessarily help if, you, if you've not got
1: <laughs> the rest of it going for you. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, it's remarkable that it's happened in Mitchell Johnson, who, yeah, uh, you know, had a torrid time. It would
0: be like it happening in Sajma Mahmood. Yeah,
1: but... I mean, a, a really torrid time, brutalised by everyone, particularly England players in Ashes series. But then again, on the other hand, the fact that he would have, you know, he must have been so annoyed with himself given that there's that raw ability there to begin with you know like you say the coaches have worked really well with him uh, and clearly there will have been a lot of resentment frustration anger in johnson coming up against england and when he's bowling well he would have really you know he really looked like he wanted to put the boot in and he did and fair enough really
0: and it's great to watch it is fantastic to watch and actually this australian side at the moment in general is fantastic to watch and i'm enjoying them i'm enjoying watching them much more in this series than I was in the ashes, I have (laughs) to say. Um, And they shocked South Africa as Centurion. You know, this South African side is not accustomed to losing. They haven't lost a Test series for five years. That, again, was because of Mitchell Johnson when he blew them away in 2009, and it was after that that everything went wrong for him. But um, they haven't lost a Test series since then. They've not lost that many Test matches since then either, or certainly not in the last couple of years. So I don't think they would have been expecting this. They would have been expecting a real tough game. They would certainly have been expecting... A Johnson assault. I mean if they watched the ashes, they should have been expecting that. But I'm not sure they would have been expecting it to be quite like this. And they also would have been expecting that they would have been able to to fight fire with fire. You know, they've been thinking, okay, yeah, you've got Mitchell Johnson, but we've got Dale Stain. Was it a surprise just how much better Johnson was than Stain, or just how much more effective he was anyway? Stain was still good and he did take wickets. What did he get? Four in the first innings and two in the second. But you know he he didn't blow Australia away to anything like the extent that Johnson blew South Africa away.
1: Were you surprised? Yeah, uh, yeah, possibly. Uh, although I mean, having yeah, having watched the Ashes, as we said before, yeah, you know, pretty pretty aware of where Johnson was at at the moment. So so yes, and we we've talked as well about the the backup that the backup that Johnson's had in that Australian bowling attack as well. You know, Siddle got key wickets and didn't give away any runs. You know, Harris as well was tight. So. Yeah, I think, you know, Johnson, it's all, all the ducks are lined up for Johnson at the moment.
0: I think you have hit on the real key thing there, actually. I mean, you somehow, Tane, you've stumbled around and you've, you've come across...
1: If I say enough things? The,
0: ...the real key thing, which is the support that Johnson has is what's so massively in his favour at the moment. Harris and Siddle were going at about two and over in the test match, and in the second innings, Harris was going at less than that, about 1.5 and over. South Africa couldn't see Johnson off, and this is the same for England in the Ashes as well. There was no kind of, well, we'll just see Johnson off and we'll score runs against everyone else. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you
1: didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com Acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at Burrow.com Acast.
0: Eventually, Johnson is going to get you out. And if you're only scoring at two and over against everyone else you're not going to have that many runs on the board by the time that he does. They do just keep things so tight. Nathan Lyon as well. And in this game, at least, Stain didn't have that same level of support. You know, he should do, because Philander and Morkel are two of the world's best bowlers. Flander is number two in the world. Uh, but in Centurion, they were both well below their best, and the rest of the South African attack all of a sudden doesn't look quite so strong. They don't have a test class spinner, and they're missing Jack Callis now, as well and that is huge for them as we say they've started a little bit better in Port Elizabeth although at the very start it was it was pretty similar what were they 11 for two recovered well Dean Elgar made runs didn't he and De Villiers as well, still there, fifty-one not out at the moment.
1: Yeah, they've got a chance to at least be in the game, haven't they? At this point, yeah, as always, the next session is crucial. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if they and will, it will have happened by the time anyone's listed. <laughs> you know, if they don't get beyond three hundred, you you kind of maybe worry for them. But it's not over though, is it yet? Yeah, it's not over. You know, the Australian batting lineup. If they get put under pressure, they haven't scored huge amounts of runs. So, and often, as we said before, you know, again in this first test, it's Warner with a you know, great position to, to walk out in in the second innings, just playing, playing with freedom and, and piling on the misery. So, you know, if he's not got that opportunity, then it, it might be a different story. If Philander and Morkel do come to the party, then South Africa's attack
0: is more than capable of, of skittling this Australian side very cheaply. And, you know, Philander, he's done it against Australia before in that series a couple of years ago He when he came into Test cricket. he was absolutely phenomenal. Started very slowly in that series in England, but then came into it more as the series went on. So I wouldn't rule out the South African attack from uh, bringing their side back into the game, back into the series, but you do wonder whether they're going to be able to score enough runs against this this Johnson onslaught. If they do, they're, they're going to be relying very heavily, you would imagine, on AB de Villiers, who so far at least is the only batsman for either England or South Africa who's who's looked remotely comfortable against Mitchell Johnson. Uh, although even he almost got his arm broken, actually, by a Johnson's slower ball that he just didn't pick up and it hit him in the arm. De Villiers seems to be employing a slightly different technique to a lot of people against Johnson, which is quite an old-school technique of going back and across. That's the, what we were taught, go back and across your stumps. Which is what I never did. <laughs> no, I, came no I, I really did. Tried
1: to pull on the front foot. That's I, why.
0: I had that drummed into me and I always went back and across. It didn't really help me, but it seems <laughs> to be helping De Villiers, you know, rather than that forward press, which most people do. And that's a very small thing, but it's a small thing that you know might be um, helping him a bit, and that's maybe something that the other batsmen could draw on. Uh, Davilias has got a half-century, as I say, in this test now as well, and that uh, means that he's notched a world record of 12 consecutive tests with at least a half-century, which is remarkable stuff, and that's another another thing for De Villiers to celebrate. You might have seen this going around on, on the social media tone. Have you heard of social media?
1: I've oh, got, yeah, it's WhatsApp, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah.
0: Something about WhatsApp was it? Oh, everyone at work today. What? What is this WhatsApp that? What? What's Nineteen that?
1: billion pounds.
0: What's? What's? What's that? WhatsApp. What's that? People were saying. Yeah. I said to okay. you about my friend. Our friend, I should say, James. He sent me a text once that just said, "Is WhatsApp an app?" Brilliant.
1: <laughs> the guy's. The guy's a genius.
0: And then I said, "I said yes, it's an app." A couple of days later, I got another text that said. Is this on WhatsApp? <laughs> no. Anyway, you may have seen this going around on the social media because uh, it was de Villiers birthday the other day. It said, Happy birthday, Mr. Awesome, and listed all the things he did because I'm, I'm sure you are aware that de has sort of chose cricket but could have had a career in almost any sport. And the evidence of that is that he was shortlisted for national hockey and football squads. He was the captain of South Africa Junior Rugby. He remains the holder of six South Africa Junior swimming records. He recorded the fastest time in South Africa Junior one hundred meters. In tennis, he was on the South Africa Junior Davis Cup team. He was the national badminton under nineteen champion. He's got a golf handicap of scratch, and he received a national medal from Nelson Mandela for a science project.
1: I want to see evidence of all of this. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we all know that all the social medias are about—they're about you know bendings of the truth. Well, possibly. Is it all true? No, I mean, we all know that he was, you know, multi-talented, kind of multi-annoying sportsman, probably as a kid. Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's the sort of thing, he's the sort of person that, like, when you're at school, you just hate him. You'd absolutely, or I certainly would have hated him because I'm a small, small man. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, if there's someone who was, like, on on all the sports teams, you just resented them, and he's sort of that, but to the Is that... zillionth degree. Yeah.
1: No. <laughs> what a t-
0: let's leave South Africa then and cross the Indian Ocean and a bit further to New Zealand uh, where India have been in town for a two test series we talked last week about New Zealand's win in Auckland which put them on the brink of a series victory and they completed that series victory in Wellington but it wasn't easy it was an extraordinary game there winning the toss India put New Zealand in and that proved to be a good decision they bowled the home side out for just 192 Ishant Sharma Took six for 51. Mohamed Shami, four for 70. India then went out and built a big first innings lead. Shakar Dewan made 98. And Ajinka Rahani 118, uh, as they posted 438. Did I say that already? You're not listening, are you? I don't think so. No, I didn't say that already. 438 they got, which was a lead of 246. uh, And you felt that there was only going to be one result there, uh, particularly when New Zealand were then reduced... To 94 for five, but then something absolutely extraordinary happened. Uh, Brendan McCullum and BJ Watling came together, and by the time they were separated, New Zealand had 446 on the board. There was then another massive partnership as Jimmy Nisham came in. Watling made 124. Nisham on debut, 137 on debut. Debut, I should say. Sorry, thanks for correcting me, Tane.
1: <laughs> on another apology letter next week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And Brendan McCullum made 302. It's the first triple century by a New Zealander in test history. New Zealand eventually declared on 680 for eight on the final day. They set India 435 to win. That was never going to happen because there are only 50 or so overs left in the day. New Zealand may have been thinking about a victory when they had India 10 for two and then 54 for three. But Virat Kohli went out and scored a brisk 105 not out. uh, And India finished up 166. For three, so the game finished as a draw, but the series was won by New Zealand, which is remarkable stuff. And it, you know, it it seems to have gone down remarkably well in New Zealand. I mean, not a surprise in a way they would be, but a lot more interest in this test series than most. And what scenes? Largely because of you'd imagine that uh, extraordinary knock from Brendan McCullum.
1: There was a lot of people in, wasn't there, on the uh, on the final day to see well to see McCullum get there, break the record. Get the first New Zealand Triple Centuries you said.
0: Because Martin Crow had what, two nine nine? Yeah. He must have been gutted. He must have been absolutely furious. Talked about this before, it's that ridiculous thing in cricket that you could score two hundred and ninety nine
1: runs and come off devastated. Well even McCullum was pretty gutted when he came off, didn't he? You know, <laughs> There's he got, no he cricket to... innings. There's almost no. no
0: cricket innings that does really disappointment
1: Well I mean he yeah, you know, he got to three oh two pretty comfortably and then he flashed at one what, like two or three balls after and you know, he, in, a, in a sense, he did miss out. I thought at one point I was—I think—as he was as he was getting out, I was about <laughs> to tweet—you know—four hundreds on the cards here, for sure. Uh, so I'm glad I didn't tweet. Well, that. He laid a platform. So it didn't he? He, he
0: built a platform, but he just didn't convert into you know a really big score. So the way they were
1: batting, you know, he could have batted all day. Uh, but yeah, phenomenal innings. I don't want to turn this into a, you know pointing fingers at the England team again. <laughs> right. But you know, it, it, sometimes it, it's. Beyond you, really. You know, when you look at the look at the match, New Zealand didn't score many in the first innings. Okay, India made it, in their first innings, made it the pitch look like what it was, which was, you know, runs could be scored on it. Uh, but, you know, at 90, 94 for five, those two come in, or come together, and bat, and bat and bat and bat and bat, and it's just something that England didn't do in the in the winter. Well, yeah, until you're they, right. They chucked games away, you know, they just flashed. You know, McCullum you know, did play pretty expansively at times. But, you know, it, it, countless times over the winter we saw in him, him just throw their innings away. Give up, basically.
0: You are right. And that did happen a few times where it did seem like they just gave up. But we've just talked about how Mitchell Johnson yeah, was I mean, you you know, bowling slightly different. next level. And India weren't offering anything like that kind of threat. Um, which is to take nothing away from McCullum. But I think it's a slightly unfair comparison. It's the 28th triple century in test history. Do you know when the previous triple century was scored when was the last one amla uh, it's a trick question time so, because it was only two weeks ago by oh, kumar Sangakkara against bangladesh
1: oh, i forgot i missed Chisigan.
0: that <laughs> you're right you're right that you were well, you're not right but you were almost right before that it was Hashim mamla thanks against england in, at the oval in 2012 england's last triple centurion was graham gooch in 1990 and before that it was john edrich in 1965 can you tell I've been on the Wikipedia? Yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: They've done well there.
0: That is something worth thinking about, isn't it? That England just don't score triple centuries. I mean, not many teams do that often. Uh, but when Chris Gale individually has scored two, and so has Rinder Savag, and so has Brian Lara, you know, and England haven't done it in the post-Atherton era, that's both frustrating from an England fan's point of view, but it's also
1: Yeah, I agree. It's disappointing. It is disappointing. But, I mean, it was, it, it, you know, it was phenomenal. I mean, McCullum is a legend. I mean, he, he really was a legend and... and- Definitely, kind of one of the one of the standout players of this era, for sure. Uh, and you know, I, I think Sky announced this week that they're going to be showing the IPL from the next I think from next year for a few oh. years. I don't really care. All I care about is they're going to be showing New Zealand Test matches till twenty twenty two. You know, that's <laughs> what news. You can watch this every year now.
0: Well, I mean, if 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 things keep going like that in New Zealand Test matches, then you know that's great value. That's uh, great value. I mean, that that innings, what was it? Uh, 302 from 559 balls, 775 minutes, 32 fours, four sixes. I mean, that is right up there, I think, in terms of recent test match innings. Perhaps not the most challenging pitch or, as I say, the most challenging attack to be facing. But in terms of match situation, yeah,
1: exactly, but, uh, yeah. his yeah.
0: side about to squander the opportunity to notch a notable series win against the world's number no. two side. Comes in at 52 for three, is cited then 94 for five. I mean, that, that kind of is the ultimate captain's innings, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.
0: I guess you've got to give a lot of credit to Watling and Nisham as well. It's easy to overlook them when McCullum's done what he did. But Nisham on debut, extraordinary. And Watling, he scored at a strike rate around 30. It was a very sort of Duplessis-esque knock. And his partnership with McCullum was the highest for the sixth wicket in test match history for any team.
1: Yeah, it was good, and uh, you know, as Nishan, it was good. Yeah, it was good, uh, and and, and Nisham batted just with a lot of fluidity, a lot of freedom uh, on the day. Fluidity. Uh, you know, he, he did wonder on that fifth morning whether you know Nisham was going to uh, you know unsettle McCullum because Nisham was playing like a dream at the other end uh, and got to a century before McCullum got to his triple. You think that did you know was that going to upset his could his mental rhythm?
0: I mean, as for India, yeah, as I say, arguably didn't give New Zealand the sternest possible ex- examination. Sahih Khan took five wickets in that second innings, but it took him 51 overs to get them. Ravi Jadjivold, 52 overs for one wicket. How calamitous a result is this for them? It, it, it looked as if they were finally going to land that elusive overseas test match win, but ended up a little bit embarrassed, perhaps, at, you know, to be on the receiving end of something like this, brilliant though it is for new zealand you you don't want to be the side on the receiving end of it. It's a bit like when you know when Amla got that triple century not to bring us back to England again, but you know for England when when Amla got that triple century and South Africa got six hundred for two that is kind of embarrassing for the opposition isn't it
1: it's a, it's annoying I think yeah to have to stand there and, and you know you don't score triple centuries in a session do you mm-hmm. so by very definite definition you've been slogging away for you know probably the best part of. Four or five sessions. Well, it was 210 overs. Yeah. Was the New Zealand innings almost? you know, probably enough to make you give up cricket and see.
0: Where does it leave them? Do you think as they as they head towards the England tour later this year? Neither of those sides in a great place, I guess. But not
1: uh, a vintage summer, really, <laughs> in prospect. Uh, yeah. Five tests as well, so there's <laughs> yeah, no thank getting away God from for it. that. Uh, well, you know, the, yeah, India not great, not looking great away from home. It could be quite a good test series. Both sides there for
0: the taking, really, aren't they? Yeah. I guess for England's batsmen, they'd be thinking that, this you know, compared to the Australian bowling attack, this Indian bowling attack should be much more inviting.
1: Yeah, they'll enjoy it. They'll enjoy
0: it. There we go. He's managed to bring it back to England <laughs> yet again. Seems to happen a lot on this show, doesn't it? Much like a Westminster politician going to inspect a flood in his wellies, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been a completely pointless exercise that has left everyone involved looking deeply, deeply silly. It's probably about time therefore that we put a stop to it hello satire <laughs> floods
1: yeah flood, hilarious i've got more i've got another Lovely. one
0: okay oh that uh, that david cameron he's rubbish isn't he
1: it's amazing isn't it? when on tv and they put the laughter after it, it really makes things seem funny when you haven't got it you know i don't know when to laugh <laughs>
0: have you had fun tonight oh Tim? it's been
1: good it's been good as well, I'm getting, I've got a text, mate. Just getting text messages. Oh, there we go. That's
0: all right, mate. I'll just check Facebook. Yeah, yeah
1: no, Karen. Right, what's going on?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you said that, like, no, 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 I'm focused, I'm focused. Um, what's going on, Tane? How was your Valentine's Day? Do you
1: have uh, What I do? Yeah, it was good. Just got drunk. It was fun. <laughs> no, it was, it was all right. Yeah, Drowned it was good. your sorrows. It was a solid weekend. Yeah, it was weekend around. What would you get up to?
0: Uh, I edited last week's podcast, <laughs> uh, and I watched Question Time on Sky Plus. Fantastic! Yeah, it was good. I should say that my girlfriend was full of the right, romance. It's not, you know, full of the romance. I wasn't just
1: ignoring her. Well, but. I think we all know that editing the podcast—you know—that is. It's a labour of love. That's a real special thing. <laughs> you know, I, I was you could just, have done it together. <laughs> 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 it would have been quite, quite special. No, a tender no, moments. Quite a tender six hours. <laughs>
0: value for money I was obviously distracted by my loneliness which is why I left in that uh, Ross, <laughs> Ross Taylor goof should we do a quick quiz update yeah okay, go on then I'm sure people are getting bored of this by now Although saying that I mean they, they have in the past put up with week after week of bodyboarding anecdotes so if they've made it this far they're going to have to put up with this as well uh, but yeah regular listeners are well aware that we've been attending a, a pub quiz it's a six week <laughs> ongoing pub quiz the first week we lost on a tiebreaker. We came joint first loss on a tiebreaker. Week three, we came second. Last couple of weeks have not gone so well. Week five, penultimate week.
1: Very disappointing. Well, I mean, it's essentially coincided with the introduction of the music round. It's killing us. Uh, now, Why? Who's like? whose clever idea is it to have all the music in the music round come from, like, basically 91 to 93? I wasn't listening to music then. Well, it's not just that. It's, it's, Pretty much. It's 93 and before but it's not that much before and it's not like anyone that we've heard. I don't know it's rubbish it's like 80 Shakespeare's sister 82 to 93 Demetria I, I tried to google I, I not Demetrius or Dimitri Well there, we've, had, can, a around, we've Dem- had a music Dem- round we've had a music round
0: what two weeks now and both weeks there's been at least one song by the band Heart who I've never heard of before
1: I, I looked them up I, is it the same Heart I've got like 40 studio albums or something I don't know if it's that Heart uh, it's an American
0: rock band which first found success in Canada and later in the United States. I don't know any Heart songs.
1: Like you said, I didn't really, I've never really heard of Heart. <laughs> Who's Heart?
0: People are shouting at their iPods at the moment because it says, Today, Heart has sold over 35 million records worldwide. To who? <laughs> <laughs> including over 22 million in album sales in the US. Uh, the group was ranked number 57 on VH1's 100 Greatest Artists of Hard Rock. With top 10 albums on the Billboard album chart, in the 70s 80s 90s and 2010s heart is among the most commercially enduring hard rock bands in history brilliant so they
1: ranked 57 on a genre specific 100 (laughs) countdown
0: but it's like it's not i don't think it's even their big songs that they've been playing it's really specific ones but yeah i mean saying this people seem to know yeah i don't know where they're getting it from other quiz teams you look around and they're just like oh yeah yeah yeah." i don't know where
1: they're getting it from i don't know no one plays this music (laughs) no one's got it It doesn't
0: but there's a very particular demographic that is both setting and attending the quiz. And we're not in that demographic, I think uh, is the yeah. problem. But also it is unfair because there's six rounds, uh, there are ten questions in each. Five of the rounds are therefore worth ten points. But the music round, you've got to get the artist and the song. So that's worth 20 points. So before the music round, we were about two points behind. After the music round, where we got one song right <laughs> and these other people were getting all of them. Uh, we were, yeah, about 20 points back. It's you can just, tell we're
1: pretty angry about it. I'm
0: this. genuinely angry. I mean, we, do, we know one of the people running the quiz, don't we, Tate? And I, I think I'm going to send him a Facebook message this week just with a, a list of about 25 grievances. Yeah. It'd be like, a, it'd be like him reading a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> 26 reasons why this quiz is bull****.
1: <laughs> it's, well, well, thank God this week's the last week.
0: Thank God we've got a podcast where we can just vent about it yeah. as well, because I don't know what I'd do otherwise. Well, anyway, we'll let you know how we get on on the final week. But we were hoping that we we might be in with a shout of uh, taking home the overall prize. But we're, what are we, 28 points back with one week to go? 70
1: points. Yeah, we might perhaps. have been a little bit overconfident, I think, <laughs>
0: on that. Ah, that's overconfident. I'm not sure about that. Anyway. Well, anyway, hopefully we can pull out something. If I go round to the pub a little bit early and just smash up the stereo that's not a bad chance. there can't be a music round i probably won't be allowed to go but the team might be able to to take
1: something home (laughs) that'd be good that's a double double (laughs) bonus there oh well anyway
0: if you enjoy the show and on the basis of that conversation i wouldn't be surprised if you didn't but if you do enjoy the show uh there are various things that you can do to get more involved in it. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. Suggest that to your friends. We post photos on that up there, don't we? Same. You've seen
1: them. We do, we do all kinds of stuff. It's, it's pretty funny. Some
0: of it. <laughs> it's brilliant. No, we'll try It's with, absolutely brilliant.
1: We need to find yeah, trying to, something to do with it, really. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've got all this power now, so We've got to yeah. find something to do with it, not just talk about pub quizzes. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Cricket Show. Tony is at Tony Double R. It's not really
1: Kiver, is it? It's Kvr. Well, it's Ker, isn't it? Well, no, because it's but You got don't pronounce a v in it as a V. It's Latin. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is? No, I understand that, but it's just, I, I like the idea of you having to explain that to people all the time. Yeah. At Tony Kiver. It's Latin.
1: It's Latin. Ker, Tony Kerr, Latin.
0: Uh, send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Let us know if we've made any unforgivable gaffes on this week's pod and uh, we'll apologise for them next week. You can find our website at www.cricketshow.net. Did I say too many Ws there? Don't
1: think so.
0: www.cricketshow.net. If you've got a spare couple of minutes this week, leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate all of those. It does help to attract new listeners. Uh, I'm sure there are many people listening who were... Drawn in by the positive Hooked reviews, we so were duped Dude, by the positive the, reviews. Saw the lie. Didn't say anything about bodyboarding or pub quizzes in the reviews, but uh, but yeah. So do that if you've got a spare couple of minutes. T-shirts, tone. Our t-shirts gonna happen. Mm. We did t-shirts, didn't we? At one point, we're doing them again. Uh, we're gonna do them again. Different designs, new designs, new designs, exciting better designs, better quality. All of the above, really. Now listeners might remember mm. that when we originally talked about the original t-shirts. Uh, that the gap between
1: when we first mentioned them and when they went on sale was what seven months, eight that's months, something like that. I think. <laughs> Can we do it quicker this time? We'll try. We'll certainly try. I'll be pulling out all the stops <laughs> to try and make this happen before the summer, before the northern hemisphere summer.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's that, that's four months away. That's that's near four months that's away. So. That's
1: almost you know half the time it took us to do it last time. So I think that's, that's a reasonable target, isn't it?
0: Well, we'll keep people updated week by week on how that's going. I would imagine by next week it will be in exactly the same place, but oh. we're going to get there at some point. Uh, so start saving up your pennies now. But, yeah, that's it. I think stay in school, everybody. We'll be back next week to talk more Australia, South Africa, more Mitchell Johnson, more Dale Steyn, maybe some other things as well. Are you turning me down? No. I just got your hand
1: on the fader. <laughs> just getting ready to ready? turn you down. <laughs> well, yeah, we should go.
0: See you next
1: week, everybody. Take it easy, guys. I've now faded you down completely. It's just me now. Can you still hear me, No, here. there's no point in talking, Go mate. In no, no one cares. It happens to us all It is to us all, each day it's Yeah, yeah.